going to be picking up in Colossians 1. We're going to be reading verses 9 and 10 today. We, we finished up verse 9 last week, but it's a lead-in to verse 10. So we're going to pick that up as well. We're going to read, and then we're going to pray. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Uh, what's he talking about? Verse Verse 8, he actually talks about that we've heard about your love that you have for all the saints, and it's, it's your love in the Spirit. He says, so since we heard about this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what we talked about last week, and then our verse for this week. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the power that is in We pray and believe these things in the name of Your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. And the church together said, Amen. So last week we covered the latter portion of verse 9 where we saw that Paul prayed for the believers to be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And this week we're going to see why it is that he prayed that this would happen. And verse 10 begins with a simple revelation. And here's what it says in verse 10. It simply says this, So that you may walk worthy of the Lord. That's, that's his phrase. And then he's going to give these two other things in this list that we're going to look at that actually reflect how that comes about. So our three points that we're going to focus on today, because uh, you, you know, if you go back a few weeks, there's several lists that happen right here within a few verses. And we covered the three previously, and now we're on to the second list, which is really us living out the life that Christ wants us to live. We walk worthy and fully pleasing. We're bearing fruit and we're growing in the knowledge of God. And these two verses have to belong together in our understanding because without verse 9, we wouldn't understand verse 10. Because when he said, look, I, I've, I've prayed ever since I heard about the love that you had, then I've prayed that you'd be filled with all spiritual, uh, with, with the understanding of God's will and then that you would, would receive all wisdom and then all spiritual knowledge or understanding. Now he says, and here's why, because I want you to walk worthy of the Lord. Here's the truth. I'm going to keep reminding us of this here for a couple of weeks. We cannot live the life that God requires if we do not know His will. If we don't know what God expects of us, if we don't know what our lifestyle is supposed to look like according to God's Word, then we can't do it. We just, we just get lucky if we try to be a good person on some things, and maybe that lines up with God's will. But if we know God's will, then we are able then to target living out God's will. What Paul actually is encouraging here in verse 10 is a lifestyle of obedience. He says, you need to know God's will. And the reason you need to know God's will is so that you can walk worthy. Now, he's not saying, well, you need to know God's will, and then you need to do whatever you want to do, because that'll let you be worthy. I mean, there's just an implied thing. He says, I'm praying that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will so that you will walk worthy. In other words, the tying in of walking worthy is related to knowing God's will. In other words, if I was when I, when I was putting this together in my mind, I said this, do what you know and seek to know more. See, if if more believers, if we would just do what we know, I, I, I get almost amused but saddened at the same time when I see people talking about how they want to seek some deeper experience. They want to pursue new, uh, some new revelation. They want to get something from God. And I'm going, if you just do what you know. Don't worry about trying to get something that's above and beyond because we're not doing what we know to do. And, and not all the time. I shared with another pastor friend yesterday he posted something, and, 
And it was all it was making this statement about this is what I believe Jesus would would want. And I, I said, look, I'm I'm not trying to be personal in my response. But if we're not already doing what God has told us to do, then why do you think then we need to expand over into this over here? It's not that it's not correct, but it's the fact that we need to do we need to do what we know. But then we don't need to be satisfied with just doing what we know. We need to seek to know more. What does it look like for us to walk worthy, though? And he says, so that you will walk worthy of the Lord. Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says this. This is Paul writing this as well to the church at Ephesus. So he, he, we're reading in Colossians where he's written to the church at Colossae, but we're going to see some consistency then in what he writes to the church at Ephesus. And he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. How? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. All right, now I want you to hang on for just a second. Anybody know what's, what's found in Galatians chapter 5? We talked about this last week. Galatians chapter 5 gives us what? Gives us the fruit of the Spirit. All right? And in Galatians 5, anybody know what some of the fruits of the Spirit are? Peace, love, patience, joy. I heard, look, look, they're doing the, they're doing the, <laughs> self-control. That was one. All right? Now, Let's, so, so let's look at what he's telling these folks in the church at Ephesus. He says, I want you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. And what does that look like? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love. What's that sound like? Sound like fruit of the Spirit. Sounds like fruit of the Spirit. And he goes on and says, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Now, I, I want you to pick up on something out of this verse. If, if it, let, let's, let's read verse 2 and let's flow into verse 3. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. He is giving us a directive. He's not, he's not saying this is what God is going to do. Remember, verse 1 there, he said, I want you to walk worthy. He's telling us something to do. You need to walk in a way that is worthy. And that looks like humility, gentleness, patience, accepting one another in love, and you diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to turn there. I'm not going to show you this one. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 32. He says, You took off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. The thief must no longer steal. Instead, he must do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. By the way, side note here. He didn't say you need to go to work so that you got a bunch of stuff. Well, I know. He said, you need to go work so that you got something to share with somebody else who's in need. It's going to make me preach this morning. No foul language is to come from your mouth. Well, I just can't help it. You know, since I got saved, I cuss a lot less than what I used to. Well, come on, let's get rid of it. Because here he says, don't let any foul language come out of your mouth. Well, I used to gossip about people, but I don't do it half as much anymore. You know, well... Look, he said that you're supposed to put off that old person and put on the new person. Now, I will tell you this. That's, uh, you often hear me use this expression. That's not a light switch that you're just going to flip off sometimes. But I'll tell you what, if the Holy Spirit is residing inside of you, then he will correct you when you go to do. He will say, hey, oh, whoop, what, what? 
And then, and then you go, well, but I went ahead and let it slip out. Well, then you need to repent. Go ahead and say, God, I'm sorry. Because I know that you told me here in Ephesians chapter 4, you said you took off your former way of life, the old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires, and you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind. So that renewal is a process that's ongoing. You put on the new self, and that new self is created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. But now listen, I want you to see the contrast of what he does. <coughs> he says, since you put away lying, okay, he says, you, you had the old person, and that old person was a liar. Can I get an amen? amen? He says, your old person was a liar, and you put him away, so stop lying. Wait a minute. I put away the old person that was lying. Why are you telling me i got to stop lying? We see Paul talk about this in Romans 7. Remember, that's one of my favorite verses reference back when I talk about this. That's my favorite passages because he says, I, I do the things that I don't want to do. I got this war going on between my flesh and my spirit, so I got to work at that. I put off the old man, but stop lying because the old man was the liar, not the new man. That was worthy of an amen right there. <laughs> amen, amen. I, I think we don't realize that we don't have to continue in what we used to be. It seems almost at times like... We think because all my life I've been a thief. So I guess I just kind of have to keep, because that's who I've always been. No, let me tell you something. What you do is not who you are. Now, Oh, that, that was definitely worthy of an amen. What you do is not who you are. I was doing, I was doing these mock interviews for the Dannon Project this past Tuesday. I talked to him about this a little bit Wednesday night. And one of the guys... That I, that I was doing interviews with, a young guy in his 20s. And he started telling me in this interview process, because I was teaching him how to go through an interview process to get a job. And when I, when I asked him, I said, well, how come you've been looking for a job since September? It's February, man. <laughs> it's an interview. You know? I said, how come you've been looking for a job since September? Well, you know, he didn't have a good answer. I, I knew he didn't have a good answer, but I was there to help him. I was there, but I needed him to understand, hey, somebody's interviews, they're not going to be as nice as I am. And so he goes to tell me, I said, well, uh, I said, well, why did you leave your last job? He said, I wasn't getting enough hours. I said, how's that working out? <laughs> you left the job because you weren't getting enough hours. Now you're not getting any hours. He said, well, it's not working that great. <laughs> But then he started telling me, and he dropped his head. He dropped his head, and he said, well, my girlfriend and I, <clears throat> we get some food stamps. We get a government check, but it's not enough. It's not enough to pay bills. i got to have a job, Mr. Payne. We got done with the interview. <clears throat> I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something personal. I said, number one, I need you to understand that when you go into an interview, you never have to tell anybody, I'm on food stamps, and, and I'm taking a government check. You don't have to tell anybody that. I said, but I want to tell you something. I said, I pastor a church here in town. <clears throat> I run a business here in town. When, uh, when I was 18 years old, right after I got married, I've never told this in this church. When I was 18 years old, right after we got married, I took a job that offered to pay $9.45 an hour. Now, 23 years ago, that was a lot of money. It's not bad money, you know, necessarily if you're entry level now, but it, it, it was a lot of money then. But it was a sales job. I was not as good a salesperson as what I am today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, for 30-some-odd days, I didn't make anything. Not a thing. Not a penny. By the way, if anybody sees something that says Cutco Cutlery, by the way, it's great cutlery. It's good stuff, but not too many people can afford $400 sets of knives for your kitchen and stuff. <clears throat> and I didn't really know anybody on the east side, so it wasn't helping me out that much. I mean, we grew up in cold water, and nobody got no $400 set of knives out there on the, on the kitchen counter. I think, you know, I think my mom, actually, she bit the bullet and, and bought like a 30-some-odd-dollar knife, and it probably set them back for a month. I mean, that was, cause that, that was expensive. But, but, but you had to sell so much before they'd start paying you, and then they'd pay you in, in, in arrears. 
So, so once you had sold, you know, X amount of dollars, then they would pay you the $9.45 an hour. Well, I didn't get there in 30 some odd days. And I'm an 18-year-old that's married, been married for, for less than a year. I've got a wife. I've got a daughter, a, a toddler. And so my dad said, they didn't have money to, to, to be sporting my bills. And, and he said, son, we're going to have to go down and you're going to have to file for food stamps. I'm looking at this, this young man, and I said, when I was 18 years old, I said, I used to be embarrassed out of my skin because... I had to send my wife to the grocery store for about six months on food stamps. <clears throat> and, uh, and we had to go to the Salvation Army and to the United Way, and they helped pay our bills because the power was going to be cut off, the water was going to be cut off, and the gas was going to be cut off. And, it's, and he goes from looking down at the table, he's looking at me dead in the eyes. And I said, look, I want you to understand something. What you do right now is not who you are, and it's not the plan that God has for your life. Ephesians 4, he says, you took off that former way of life. That old self that was corrupted by deceitful desires, you're being renewed in the spirits of your mind, and you're being, you put on the new self. So walking worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to Him, that's what that looks like. It looks, honestly, it looks more and more like us becoming like Christ. And honestly, walking in a way that does not put off the old man causes the Holy Spirit to be grieved by our actions. But I want you to think about this. Consider this, because people go, well, wait a minute now. So, so is God displeased? Is God somehow angry at me if I'm not walking according to his will? I will tell you that God is displeased because the Holy Spirit talks about don't grieve, or the Bible talks about don't grieve the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask you this question to get you to understand how our Father looks at those who have accepted Christ but yet are not fully walking worthy. I want you to think about this question. You've got kids, right? Some of you have kids. Have their actions and their decisions ever grieved you at some point in time? <laughs> <laughs> kids at this moment did your parents response just grieve you no <laughs> look so so you have children and at some point in time their actions and and their decisions have grieved your heart did you stop loving them did they stop being your children did they stop being one that you would lay your life down on to, to take care of them no but their actions and their decisions still grieves your heart and if we will just grasp and understand that our Father who has prepared a way for us to be able to walk according to His will, who has given us His will in His Word, and then tells us, look, you need to, you've laid aside that form of person, so stop doing those things. That we can grieve Him, but yet He still loves us. But yet He still accepts us. But yet he's, He doesn't say, well, you're not my, kid, you're not my child anymore. But just like we're grieved by our children's actions and decisions because we know it's going to hurt them. We know it's going to do damage to their reputation. We know that it's going to set them back on their, on their life path. But Paul knew that once we were filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that we could and we should walk worthy of the Lord. I read this statement from McNaughton in his commentary on this passage, and he said, Our aim should be to please Christ, not out of duty, but as the fruit of our love for Him. Our aim should be to please Christ, not out of duty. That's legalism. Not out of duty. But because I love Him, and therefore I want to do what He has instructed me to do. Here's a key fact for you. Perhaps the reason that many people walk in a manner that's not fully pleasing to God is because we really aren't filled up with His will, His wisdom, and His spiritual understanding. It's difficult if someone has told you this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what God desires from us. This is God's will for us. Then it's difficult for us to not walk worthy because then we have to get in rebellion against what we know. 
we have to rebel against that I now have the knowledge of God's will for my life in these various areas. And if I choose to then not walk according to that, then I really have to go into rebellion against what God is trying to get me to do. Because as long as I don't know, then it's hard for me to be accountable to knowing. But once I know... And so I have to ask myself, I want to believe that most people are not in open rebellion. Maybe that's, maybe that's the optimist side of me. I want to believe that we're not in rebellion against God's will. So it makes me wonder then, well, when I see things and hear things and recognize that we're sometimes not that biblically literate, we're really not into God's Word. That we, we, at times within the, the overarching body of Christ that people are, are not that knowledgeable about what God's Word has said, maybe that's why that we're not living according to His wills because we, we just haven't gotten into it and know it. The sequence in the Christian's life kind of works like this. When you get... The, the, the wisdom, the knowledge of His will, you understand what God's wanting, then you can walk. You can walk in a way that's consistent with that knowledge of His will when you have the wisdom regarding that. But you can't work for God until you're walking for God. And so then I had to ask myself, is the reason that there are so few people who are truly working for God is because there are so few people that are walking with Because we, we, we get saved and we get a little bit of knowledge and we know what He's done for us. But then sometimes we're not looking to say, now what does God want me to do for Him? In response to this wonderful gift that He's given me. So when we gain wisdom about His will, then we can walk according to His will. And when we're walking consistently according to His will, then we can do His work. Warren Wiersbe says this, I cannot work for God unless I'm walking with Him, but I cannot walk with Him if I'm ignorant of His will. The believer who spends time daily in the Word and prayer will know God's will and will be able to walk with Him and work for Him. So he says, I want you to walk worthy. So I want you to see three areas of worthiness that we're told in the Bible that we're supposed to walk according to. Here's the first one. We just kind of looked at it, Roman, or Ephesians 4.1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling. Walk worthy of the calling. He says, look, when the good news goes out and the Holy Spirit draws your heart and you come to Him, He says, then walk worthy of that calling. Philippians 1, 27 gives us another one. He says, just one thing. Live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel. So you've been called. How many of you ever, when you were a, when you were a kid, which may not have been that long ago for some of you and for others of us, it's been a long time ago. How many of you, you were out on the playground and they'd say, let's pick sides. They're going to play a game and they'd say, let's pick sides. And so then you picked two captains, didn't you? And then they said, all right, you know, you flipped a coin, you did something, you know, rock, paper, scissors, you know, something like that. And, you know, I don't remember which one does what, you know, but I know, I know that scissors will, will get paper. I know that. And rock should break scissors. All right, but I think paper covers rock. There you go. All right, so, so you do rock, paper, scissors, and, and some, one of the captains then gets to pick first. And so what do they do? They call out a name. I'll take one. <laughs> so when that happens, here's what the captain is expecting out of one. Look, I've called you out. I'm expecting you to play accordingly. I want you to, because I, especially when I pick you first. I pick you first because I think you're the best one that's out there, right? Some, some folks, you know. The, us bigger guys now, they'd pick us first if it was something like football. They'd pick us last if it was dodgeball. <laughs> Going, when he want them slim guys? He's hard to hit. So we walk worthy of the calling, but then we walk worthy of the gospel. And what is the gospel? We learned here a few weeks about the gospel, and we reminded ourselves, is good news. 
The group Delirious, you, uh, they, were, they were big in the 90s, early 2000s. They used to have this song. I love it. It's, it's called The Message of the Cross. And it says, this is the message of the cross, that you can be free. This is the message of the cross. You can be free. Free from sin, free from the things that bound you, free from your past, free from what people have always said about you, free from your raising, free from your family, free from all these things. If they, if they hold you down, if they hold you back, you can be free from all of that, especially from sin in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the cross. You can be free. Live your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, that you can be free. If you've been called to freedom, live in freedom. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 12 he says, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God. Wow. Now, we went from walk worthy of that you've been called, walk worthy of that you've been set free, to walk worthy of God. How does that happen? How is it that we're going to be able to work for God and how are we going to do so in a way that is worthy of God? Well, here's where people go astray. Then people get off into the works religion. They get off into the works concept that, that this is you earning something from God. I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a scripture. I'm fixing to give you, give you two, two scriptures, two verses in one passage that's going to totally destroy that and is going to let you see how it is that we're going to go about working for God and walking worthy. Here it is. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence. Now this doesn't sound like it's going to be there, so you've got to hang on. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We go, oh, wait a minute. Now, I thought you just said you were fixing to give us something that was going to show us how that it's not about a works-based thing and how it is that we're going to walk worthy because, look, if we're honest about ourselves, we all know that some days we have decent days. I wouldn't say good days because the Bible says there's none that's good save, save God. Jesus said that. But, but, but I don't necessarily have good days in my life. I just have days where I'm a little closer to being good, okay? In myself, in me, all right? Because, but he says, wait a minute, now you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But oh, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Oh my goodness. This is so powerful. He says, hey, here's what you need to do. I'm going to encourage you, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But let me tell you how that's going to happen. It's God who's working in you. And it's God who is going to enable you to desire his good purpose and then to do his good purpose. Man, that's where I, you should be more fired up about that. I'm telling you. That, that, is, that is liberation 101 right there. Because he's saying, look, it's not about you because... But remember, Paul said, why is it that I, I, I want to do good things, I don't do good things, I, I, then I don't want to do this, and I do it, and I want to do this other, and I don't do it, and, and man, I'm just struggling. He says, look, it is God who is working in you. And it is God who is going to enable you both to desire His good purpose. So we would choose things that are not good. We would choose things that are not according to God's will. But God works in us and enables us then, as followers of His, to desire the right thing. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Why? Because we're going, God. And then this is why then when people say, oh, but the Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. Sure it does. Let's take it in context with this, though. He says God's going to work in you and is going to enable you to desire His good purpose. You're going, oh, but I wanted a Cadillac. Well, is that his good purpose? Well, I wanted a, I wanted a 3,000 square foot house. You know, is that his good purpose? Maybe it is. I don't know. But is that his good purpose? Well, you know, and I wanted to be a millionaire. Well, is that his good purpose? Because God is going to work in you to enable you to desire his good purpose and to do his good purpose. 
So now all I have to do is stop giving in to my desires and say, God, I want you to play out your desires and your plan in my life because your word says right here that you will work in me and enable me to desire the right thing and to do the right thing. Here people say, I just couldn't help it. Or the worst one is people say, you know, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you're saying, that, you're saying God's in you, but the devil made you do it? And the word says that the God in you is greater than the one that's outside of you? And you're saying somehow he made you do it. Well, you just said he's greater than God is. I need to move on. God works in us and through us to produce fruit. But we've got to realize this. If we resist God working in us, then our lives do not bear the fruit of good works. What is inside will make its way outside. The Bible tells us says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's on the inside will make its way outside. There's a lot of people that worry about first trying to fix what's on the outside of people and not, don't, don't understand, if you don't fix the inside, then what's on the outside will only be temporary. Yeah, you can dress somebody up. What's that old saying? You can take a pig and put some lipstick and a dress on him. It does not make it a woman. <laughs> I need to just leave that illustration alone. It does not. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can dress things up. There's, there's got to be a change. We, we, we try to take people and we say, oh, well, you need to start dressing like this. You need to start talking like this. You need to start acting like this. No, I'll tell you what needs to happen. You need to have a change in your heart. We need to get the life of Jesus into people, and it will make its way out versus us trying to change people on the outside and make its way in. If we're resistant to God working in our lives, and we won't bear the fruit of good works. Because remember, he said, I want you to walk worthy. His next thing was, he said that I want you to be fully pleasing to him. We kind of talk, but bearing fruit in every good work. John chapter 15. You can flip there. John chapter 15. Begin with verse 1. This is what it says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Now you listen to this. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them in the fire, and they're burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. All right, let's understand what it is that he just said. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. We got that, right? So we're the branches. We're grafted into the vine. What does the vine do for us? What's the vine do for branches? This is, this is feedback time. This is y'all supposed to talk. There's no trick question. Supplies. What does it supply? Nutrients. What do nutrients do for us? Help you grow. They help you stay alive. They help sustain you. Right? All right. So he says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And says, and if a branch doesn't remain in me, then it can't produce fruit. But he says, the one who remains in me and I in him, he might produce much fruit. No? That's not what he says. He doesn't say he might produce much fruit. He doesn't say it could be possible that he produces much fruit. Doesn't say that, huh? What does it say? He will. Produces. He produces much fruit. Now, what is that telling us? 
If we are in Him and He is in us, we will produce fruit. Not we might, not we could, not maybe it'll happen. He says, if I'm in you and you're in me, you will produce much fruit. Why is that then? Because he says at the end, <coughs> in verse 8, he says, My Father's glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Now, what did he just say? You prove that you are my disciples because you produce much fruit. Because it is a law. It is a law within him that if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will produce fruit. It's just what the word says. There's a positive statement there. One cannot be consistently connected to Christ and be unfruitful. Now, then I have to just throw out the, the, the inverse of that. If your life is unfruitful, then you need to stop and look and say, am I consistently connected to Christ? Because Jesus, you're not arguing with me. You don't have to argue. It's not an interpretation. I just read you what he said. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then you're going to produce much fruit. Because my Father's glorified by that. Now, here's what that means. That means when we are resisting God and we're not allowing him to lead and guide and direct in our lives, and so we're not becoming fashioned more like the vine that we're connected to, then we're refusing to bring glory to God. Because God is glorified when we produce fruit. It's not a statement of might. It's not a statement of it's capable of. He says it produces much fruit. This idea of bearing fruit in every good work is part of us walking worthy and fully pleasing to God. It's not something separate of. It is how we walk worthy and fully pleasing is that we bear fruit. It's not something done in addition to. It is fully part of. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20 says this, Beware of false prophets <coughs> who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them how? By their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs? from thistles. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit. Not some good trees, not a lot of good trees, not most of good trees. Every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. So you'll recognize them. How? By their fruit. I had to ask myself this question this week. I wonder, do people recognize us as Christians because of the fruit of every good work in our lives? Or do people recognize us as Christians because we wear Christian t-shirts, we put a fish you know, that little fish symbol on the back of our car. We put a bumper sticker on that says, we've got a Jesus is my co-pilot. By the way, I don't know why you don't let him drive. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Never have. I don't understand. You know, Jesus is my co-pilot. Look, I'm telling you, if, if I go to, to, to getting into the airplane and Jesus comes in and sits down, you know what song I'm going to be singing? Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... Here, you drive. I'll be the co-pilot. In fact, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to sit back here. I'm not the navigator. I'm, not, I'm just on for the ride. Take me where you want me to go, Jesus. Anyway, how do people recognize that we're Christians? Because he said here, you will recognize people by their fruit. I think what we have done is because that we have gotten away from having the fruit in our lives, we have started making other things be the way that we identify each other as believers. We've gotten it to be about, like I said, how we dress, what we say. Uh, you know, I got the right stuff. Or, well, you know, I mean, he must be, but because, uh, you know, he talks about going to church all the time. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. I was reading a commentary this week, and this is what it said. God must make the worker before he can do the work. God spent 13 years preparing Joseph for his ministry in Egypt. <clears throat> 
and 80 years preparing Moses to lead Israel. Jesus spent three years teaching his disciples how to bear fruit, and even the learned apostle Paul needed a postgraduate course in Arabia before he could serve God with effectiveness. A newborn babe can cry and make its presence known, but it cannot work. A new Christian can witness for Christ and even win others. But he must be taught to walk and learn God's wisdom before being placed in an office of responsible ministry. The reality is that as we manifest fruit, including faith, we grow. It's like exercising a muscle. The use of it causes growth of it. And Paul stated that part of our walking worthy of the Lord would include then the, the third and final thing of growing in the knowledge of God. Now, I need to point something out here. Before I get to that, I like this little, because I like stuff that rhymes every now and then. But this is what it, I realize. When we do what we know, then we grow. When we do what we know, then we grow. Because you're exercising what you know. Knowledge is meant to be exercised. When we saw in verse 9, he said, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge of God's will is different than the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God's will is different than the knowledge of God. Knowing about God is understanding His character. It's understanding, it's understanding how He thinks. It's understanding how He uh, has done things and, and what drives and motivates him. The knowledge of God, God's will is about what he wants. Knowledge of him is I understand why then he has that plan. I understand more about why he has that purpose. I understand why he goes about wanting this in our lives. See, if I understand the holiness of God, then I can understand why he doesn't want me to do certain things. If I understand and have knowledge of God, then I can understand knowledge of his will. Paul prayed that we would have the knowledge of God's will with wisdom and spiritual understanding that led to us walking worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to Him that was accomplished by us bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. It's a process. And I, started, I started trying to understand, okay, then what's this process of, of going through that? And it, it made me think back to when there have been times in my life when, when someone has been trying to teach me something, particularly how to do something that's a fairly complicated process. <clears throat> and so I would, often, I would often fight, you know, they'd say, look, you need to just do this. You'll understand it later. You'll see as we go, you'll begin to understand why I'm having you do this. And I'm going, but I don't understand. Well, you're not going to until we get further into it, and then it's going to make sense. But some things you're going to have to trust me and you're going to have to do in obedience. And so, you know, I would start doing, you know, what somebody told me. I didn't have the whole picture. I didn't have the full experience yet. I didn't have the full perspective. But I had to trust them and I had to do what the expert told me to do. And as I exercised my faith in what they told me to do, I began to understand why they had told me to do it. I understood why I needed to learn to do this and this and this because I was really wanting to do this end product over here. God, I want to have my life be just blessed and walking in your favor. Woo, you know, amen. That's what we got. I just want to be blessed. I want to be walking in favor. I want you to use me to win the loss at any cost. And he's going, you're not ready for any cost. <laughs> I'm going to have to teach you some discipline. I'm going to have to walk you through being prepared so that you can end up over here through that process. And so when I would start doing whatever it was that this person told me, then all of a sudden I would do something and go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now I'm seeing how this thing's coming together. I'm seeing that you taught me to do step A and step B and step C, and now I'm putting all of those things together, and now it makes sense. And my eyes get opened. It's really not any different with God because think about it. In that process... Sometimes up until that point, I was thinking, I can't stand this guy that's teaching me. He's making me do, all right, 
Okay, this is, this is a late 80s and 90s, I'm sorry. But, but for, for folks from the late 80s and 90s, you, you got all excited. At all the, the girls, when they were in high school, they wanted to see, you know, Ralph Macchio in The Karate Kid. The movie The Karate Kid. Oh, listen, he's like, oh, goodness, in The Karate Kid. Remember, in Karate Kid, for all of y'all that hadn't seen the movie, you know, but, but he's wanting to learn karate. And Mr. Miyagi takes him and says, hmm, I need you to wax my car. You know, and I wash my car and then wax the car. And he says, and here's what I want you to do. Look, everybody's already, all the, all the guys that are in their, in their 40s and 30s, 40s, 50s, we're all going. So, so he says, all right. So, all right. So everybody that knows this, then wax the car. What was it? Wax on with one hand, wax off with the other hand. Well, Ralph Macchio, and his, he's getting upset. You know, you're out here making me wax your car. He wax on, wax off. Then he says, oh, now we paint the fence. Paint the fence? He says, yes, and I want you to take that one hand, and you go up and you come down, and you go up and you come down. So he says, paint the fence, paint the fence. And he now wax on. Remember, then he sand the floor. Remember, because he had a deck, sand the floor, you know, and he had, I don't remember which direction it went. And, and then Ralph Macchio gets mad. He finally gets mad and says to Mr. Miyagi, who is trying to instruct him, he says, all you're doing is making me do all your tasks. And he's all upset. And remember, what does he do? He tells him, he says, I don't remember how he leads into it, but he's like, you, you prepare. And he says, and he, I, think he, I think he smacks him. He kind of smacks him. He says, what is that for? And he says, okay, wax on. And he goes to swing, and he whoop, he waxes on. He blocks it. And he goes, now wax off. And he goes to another side, and he wax off. And then he's going to come at him with it, and he says, paint the fence. And he whoop, whoop. And then all of a sudden, you see the light come on. And around my, he's like, oh, I've been learning karate the whole time. You know? So then he speaks. Remember, he speeds up. He goes, wax on, wax off, paint the fence, paint the fence, sand the floor. You know, and he's doing all this stuff. And he's like, whoo. That's the process for us in being obedient to God and coming to know him. Because how did, in the movie, how did Ralph Macchio's attitude then change toward Mr. Miyagi? Because he was getting mad at him. He was getting mad. You're just abusing me. You, you're taking advantage of me. You're making me paint your fence, sand the floors, wax your car. By the way, here's a side note for free. This one isn't even in my notes. Y'all remember at the end, Mr. Miyagi gave him that car that he was waxing. Woo! Sometimes God got you working through stuff, and he's going to reward you with some of it later on. You all mad you even had to take care of it, and you taking care of what God's going to bless you with. Okay, all right, anyway, I'm going to move on from that. Woo, that was good right there. He was mad at Mr. Miyagi. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to go. And then he figures out, oh, my goodness, Mr. Miyagi has been teaching me. Oh, Mr. Miyagi, I love you. You are my sensei. <laughs> he changed. Everything changed. Why? And sometimes if, if we will just endure and we will submit to God and we will let him take us through the process where we're going, all right, God, I know your will. And so I'm going to walk worthy, fully pleasing to you because I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to bear fruit in every good work. And through that process, I'm going to end up coming to know you. I'm not talking about coming to salvation. I'm talking about you're going to get to know him. Because you might get a little ways down the path and go, man, I feel like God's just abusing me. He's made me go through this. He's made me go through that. But you didn't go through alone. Because he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because your rod and your staff, they'll comfort me. You'll go with me. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you even until the end of the age. So you've been going along the path, and you're going, God, I don't understand. You made me go through this. You made me go through that. You made me. Now, some of it you brought on yourself, so don't blame it all on God. You know, you made some decisions. But anyway, so God, I've been going through this and going through that, and God is going, if you'll just stay true, just walk worthy, just, just walk in a way that's pleasing, just walk in a way that bears fruit, because I promised, and you're going to have that wax on, wax off, paint the fence, sand the floor moment. And all of a sudden, you're going to go from being, God, I don't understand, to God, oh, you have been doing. Now I see the work you've been doing in me for years, that you've been preparing me. And I thought it was all just for nothing. I thought you was just taking it. But then I realized, and now I know. So the next time that you begin to face something, you go, hey, this is wax on, wax off. 
This is paint the fence. This is sand the floor. So now when you start going through something, now you're facing it going, I know God's got a plan. I know God's got a purpose because I remember what happened when I went through last time and I got myself all in a tizzy and all fired up. And then I came to realize that God is who he said he was. He is faithful. He loves me. He is being true to me and he is growing me. God, I'm going to go through this thing. It may be hard, but I know who you are better today than I did yesterday. Our obedience to God's will opens up for God to fulfill His promises in our lives and the experience of His promises being fulfilled brings greater revelation of His personhood, of who He really is. It's one thing for us to read God's Word and say this is what God says He's going to do. It's a whole other thing when we read it, we stay faithful to it, God does it, and we know who He is then. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 11, and wrapping up. He says, But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of what? The surpassing value of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filthy so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. My goal is to know him. He said, I want you to walk worthy, fully pleasing unto God. I want you to bear fruit in every good work. And as a result, you will grow in the knowledge of God. Paul said, my goal is I want to know him.